Life's too short for crap marketing. The Got Marketing Podcast is for marketers, business owners, and entrepreneurs who want marketing that's fun, accessible, and meaningful. Join me, Mia Feilman, for inspired chats with my favorite marketing insiders about marketing that works, campaigns that inspire, and the fads, fakery, and false profits to avoid. Hello, friend, and welcome back to the show. Creatives are my people, okay? I speak their language and they speak mine. And today we are going to talk with a sensational creative director and stylist. And we're going to talk about visual storytelling and why this is so important for your brand. It's important to also then go out and create your own visuals, whether it's graphics, whether it's imagery, whether it's videos, and be able to mix that in in kind of that very cohesive way that generally kind of forms that overall visual brand. That was Sandra Chow. She has directed and styled campaigns for luxury brands all over the world, ranging from jewelry, loungewear, bedding, beauty, artisan products, service-based brands, and more. She founded the School of Visual Branding in 2018, and she specializes in teaching entrepreneurs how to grow and use their online visual brands to increase their profit. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Mia. It's such a pleasure. I remember meeting you at a conference a few months ago and you really stood out to me and I was like, oh, I'd love to chat to her more. Well, thank you. I'm really excited to chat today. Great. All right. Well, let's dive in. No time like the present. What exactly does a creative director do? That's a great question. <laughs> and it's something that I get asked a lot. So essentially think of it kind of like an art director, but what I typically do for my clients is I pull together all of their photo shoots. So from concept design all the way through to like prop venue, bringing the team together, doing the shoot decks, everything all the way through to actually executing and directing the shoot with my team of like photographers and videographers. So that's kind of essentially what a creative director does. It's um, the person who brings all the pieces together for a brand. So you mentioned art directing then. What's the difference then? Or does the art director report into the creative director? So the art director is basically, is a smaller role within a creative director role. The creative director is that person who kind of runs with the brand, the person who knows the brand's best and makes all of those creative decisions for it. But whereas the art director sometimes is just the person on a shoot day. Mm, okay, so the creative director is like the creative visionary of the brand. Ah, oh, amazing. So good. And so you do this work, you have two sides to your business. You do this work for clients, which is like professional service, but then you also teach entrepreneurs how to fish as well, how to go and do this work for themselves. Yeah, <laughs> yeah basically. So um, I do run a visual content development studio. So with that, we work with a lot of clients one-on-one um, to create all the visuals for their brand. So from imagery to video, all the way down to like strategy on how to then go and use it on their websites and all the things. And then on the education front, um, then I specialize in teaching sort of brands how to elevate their brands and increase their profits using like distant and elevated visuals. Okay. And is that what visual storytelling is? Like, take me through what that is. Because, you know, marketing, we just love terms and jargon and words. And and they're so subjective as well. Like, everyone has different interpretations of it. So what does it mean to you? I mean, for me, essentially, if you think about a brand, every brand has a story to tell. It doesn't matter whether you do the same thing as another person or something very similar to another brand. There's no way that your story is the same as the other brand story. And so what I 
teach um, my students and what I do for my clients, the main thing is really to help bring their story to life through visuals. And when I say visuals, it could be through photos, it could be through videos, and it's really about bringing those kind of elements to life so that you can stand out mm. from your competitors, stand out from the crowd. Yeah, so good. And so, 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 so important. With that in mind, what role do stock images play today? Like I remember when I first started in the online business space, it was 2019. So just a little bit after you started the School of Visual Branding, it was like stock imagery galore. Like everyone had a subscription to social squares and pexels and Instagram feeds were like wall to wall stock imagery and these perfect aesthetic grids. But it definitely seems like the tide has turned. So I'd love to know from you, does stock imagery still serve a purpose at all? I actually still think they do. And I think the way to see it is like not all images are created equal. So different types of images have kind of different purposes. When it comes to stock images, you know, they're sort of the more generic type of images. But the key thing is more of whether that particular stock image actually works for your brand, whether it's in the style and aesthetic or whether it's like whether it makes sense. Because you do come across a lot of stock photos which are a little bit neither here nor there or a bit random, which would kind of stick out like a sore thumb on your grid, for example. But I think these days there's actually a lot of um, stock image companies, a lot of memberships, where they have a lot of more, I guess, less traditional type of stock images, which can actually work really well within your grid. But I think the important thing is to be able to mix it in with your own imagery. So um, with a lot of my clients, I always say that we create custom stock imagery for them. So it's still all that kind of a little bit more generic, um, not necessarily specific towards anything but might work for their brand in terms of like the mood or the aesthetic, just something that you could sort of fill your grid with a little bit so that everything's not always the same. Mm. So I think ultimately the key is making sure that if you do decide to use stock imagery for your brand, one, it's not that your website is just full of stock imagery or that your Instagram grid is just stock imagery because that people can tell. And so they'll know that, you know, it kind of speaks to that know, like, and trust factor in your brand. But it's important to also then go out and create your own visuals, whether it's graphics, whether it's imagery, whether it's videos, and be able to mix that in in kind of that very cohesive way that generally kind of forms that overall visual brand. Yeah, it's like fashion, high, low, you know, you can have the statement skirt and you can put it with a H&M top, like no problem. It works great. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And and I think it's just a matter of knowing how to pair it together, right? Mm, um, yeah, and not picking things that clash, you know, because stock imagery, you know, you've got you've got a lot of different styles, you've got a lot of different aesthetics, um, a lot of different stories, and a lot of different um, categories of stock as well too for different kinds of businesses. So you just got to make sure you're using the right stock imagery for your brand. And you think you can use it throughout all of your channels, like including their Instagram grid. So we tend to just use stock imagery now for like lead magnets and just, you know, that sort of, but I don't think I've shared a stock image to my Instagram profile in years. <laughs> I know. And, and I think um, when you think of stock imagery, you kind of think of that really corny, you know, old school type of stock photo. But I've seen some these days where, Sometimes you wouldn't even be able to tell their stock. Mm -hmm. I think when it starts to stick out is when all when your grid and your website all you use is stock imagery, yeah. and perhaps you don't really show up because 
when as a brand owner when you start to show up a lot more people can kind of you know see the personality behind the brand but stock mm-hmm. imagery doesn't necessarily um, support that it doesn't really come across through stock imagery so if you just have that people won't really sort of feel you as a part of the brand so it becomes a little bit more noticeable it becomes that kind of generic brand so I still think it's okay to use but I wouldn't use it constantly throughout. <laughs> Yeah. I think there's two things I want to pick up there. One, that I want to hear your tips for good stock image libraries because obviously I am not fishing in the right pond. I hope you can dish some of that. But also I feel like maybe part of the problem with stock imagery is that it's so perfectly polished. You know, it's three glasses lined up gorgeously and it's like it is so overly manicured. Whereas especially with social and digital media, we're moving away from that perfectly curated, perfect aesthetics to a little bit, I guess, authentic for lack of a better word. I hate that word so much. (laughs) What does it even mean? But like, you know, a little bit unfiltered, I guess. So yeah. Yeah. And and I like that you mentioned that. I think this is a conversation I have with a lot of people, whether to sort of stick to, actually not so much stick to, but whether to post more raw kind of photos. Mm. And I think, again, like I said before, not all photos are created equal and they all have different purposes. So if I look at my Instagram grid, for example, you know, my business is all about aesthetic. So it wouldn't really make sense for me to just share a lot of raw images on my grid. Mm -hmm. So I do that through my stories. Mm. Um, I'll show like a lot of my iPhone photos or like behind the scenes photos. And it kind of works in that way because it works for my brand. Yeah. But if it was for you, Mia, I mean, true, you're a service-based business and you're the person, you know, everyone's going to be talking to. You're the face of the brand. But that said, you're not an influencer. Mm. So I wouldn't expect you to just constantly be snapping away on your iPhone, you with your latte or um, you with those kind of raw, unfiltered images on your grid, because at the end of the day, it's still forms a bit of your portfolio, I guess, you know, for your brand. That's it. If you're an influencer, it makes total sense for everything to be very raw. So it all comes back to, again, what makes sense for your brand? You know, what kind of business are you running or what are you, what's the personality behind your brand to make those kinds of decisions? And I think that's the biggest trap that people fall into sometimes is that, okay, the trend is like, oh, everyone's saying, you know, you should show up like an influencer and dance and do all the trends and, you know, all those things. But if it doesn't really make sense for your brand or it doesn't fit with the brand personality and everything, then it's going to stick out like a sore thumb mm. and it's not really going to make sense. And over time, it's hard to keep up. It's hard to maintain if it's not authentic. You know, if we come back to the word authentic, right? Yeah, no, I totally, that's such a good point. I mean, uh, the last time I did a brand photo shoot was just a few months ago and we got something like a hundred images. So I don't think I need to bother with the iPhone happy snap, really, you know. this, You know, you get now it's a new way of photography used to be like you get the 10 images and then you'd have to pay extra for the library. And now because we understand how much content people create, you get everything. You just, you get yeah. like, and then within those, there's some beautiful headshots and some beautiful lifestyle shots, but there's some also some nice bloopers and things like that, which is, I guess, to show a nice balance of you, that it's not all perfect. 
So do you have any stock libraries that you recommend for people to check out? That's a really good question. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'm going to be really honest with you, Mia. I don't. Yeah, no worries. Great. Um, I might, not off the top of my head because I personally don't use them. Yeah, sure. I can get back to you on that one though, if you just want to plug them in anyway. Yeah. So actually, Unsplash, overused, Social Squares, I think also overused, same deal with Pexels. But there is a stock library called Stocksy and it is significantly more expensive than other stock libraries. And I just went and had a look one day and I found the most perfect Del Mar image, you know, Amalfi Coast vibe, Saparol Spritz, like that is our brand yeah. to a T. And I think I paid like 35 Australian dollars for one image, which is a lot. Like you can get a monthly subscription to Social Squares for about that, but it is great. Exactly as you said, Sandra, it is yeah. one of those images that it doesn't feel like it's stock. It feels like it could have been shot and no one else is using it because no one's paying $35 for an image except for me. So, and honestly, if it's like that one image, no one's going to pick it out among yeah. all you doing. So it's that, there's that trick to it, not that trick, but there's that skill to weaving yeah. in imagery, right? Yeah. And I think, um, you know, if we circle back to when you were saying with your brand shoot, where you got like hundreds of photos, if you go back and go through them, I reckon you'll be able to find some of those, what I call like custom stock images, mm. which are kind of non-specific, maybe mm. almost environment-based or lifestyle-based yeah. that yeah. you could weave in. And they're like stock images, but they're your own stock images. If that yeah. Kind of oh my gosh, there's such a good one where it's just my hands and you see my nail polish color and it is such an artistic and creative image. And we actually used it as part of our last campaign. And there's like a reflection to the table and you see the nails, but then you see the reflection of the nails, but you don't see my face. You don't even know it's me. And it is so cool. Like so cool. So that leads us perfectly into how to prepare for a brand shoot, because I know you and I agree on this 100%. There is so much more that meets the eye when it comes to nailing a campaign shoot. So I'd love for you to share your considerations, but then I'd also, I have to add mine. (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think for me personally, I spend a lot more time on the prep than the actual photo shoot. Like your photo shoot, maybe like five to eight hours, depending on what you're shooting. But I could spend a good 20, 30 hours before the shoot. Mm. The thing that I go, you know, go through with a lot of my students is first is that kind of concept board, thinking about, you know, the purpose of your photo shoot, because depending on what the purpose of the shoot is, what you shoot is going to be different. And that's like a small thing that people don't think about sometimes. It's like if you were, you know, a service-based business, is this shoot for a launch or is this Mm. shoot you know, because you want to create some new collateral or anything Mm -hmm. like that. So you've got to think about what you're creating for. Um, And then mood boarding is is a big thing for me. But then the key is to not pin images that you just want to copy the way that um, I like to think about it. Because if you just pull a lot of reference images, you tend to just recreate And so you're not necessarily thinking about your brand. So I always ask my students to think about, you know, how do you want people to feel when they see these images from your shoot that you're about to do, you know, and thinking about that and then pinning images around those kinds of feelings so that you can kind of get that overall vibe and mood for the photo shoot. And then we go into a lot of detail about the venue that you're sourcing, 
the clothes you're going to be wearing, the props that you're going to be using, even just the team that you pull together, whether that's reflective of the story that you want to be telling. Are they able to shoot in your style and aesthetic? Are they able to shoot in the, you know, in the vibe of your brand? Because a lot of the times you might see a photographer and they're really big at the moment. They're shooting for a lot of people. And then so you approach them and book them. But then, you know, they're a completely different style to what you're going for. Then it's just a wasted photo shoot. Mm. So the prep work for me is like key. And we'll spend hours and hours doing that even before we actually get to the shoot to execute it. And I always put together a shoot deck for my team that I run through with my photographer, my videographer, everybody who's a part of the shoot so that everyone rocks up on the day knowing what to expect and what we're doing and what we're trying to achieve. Oh, I love that so much. Yeah, we follow the 80-20 rule of pre-production to production and it is unbelievable how much time and effort we put into our shoots. Like the briefs, And even like the location sourcing, so I'm trying to recreate a Mediterranean Amalfi Coast vibe in Darwin or in Melbourne, you know, and it's not quite right, but like that is our brand. It's Campaign Delmar, you know, and so, so much effort went into location sourcing and then you have to make sure that the photographer's available on the date that the venue's available at the same time that I'm available and, oh, it's just, it, yeah, I reckon 30 hours. Yeah, it's a bit of a logistical nightmare. (laughs) But I mean, if you ever need any ideas on venues, let me know. I love looking for venues. And I've got a few sites that are really good too. Oh, do you? Cool. All right. A lot of them have that kind of Amalfi Coast feel to it. (laughs) Awesome. Well, we absolutely nailed it. We found this little pop-up bar in a laneway. And there was even a, what's the scooter called? The oh, uh, Italian oh, Vespa. scooter. Vespa, Vespa. Vespa. It even had a red Vespa. There, yeah, just parked there. And I was like, you have got to be kidding me. How good is this? Oh, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so are there any sort of top tips for getting the most out of the actual day? Like if you are the brand custodian and you are in your own images and you also, it's its your money, you're planning for this shoot. So that's like dual role, right? Because in our professional career, like you and I, I would do the art director role. And so I was not in the shoot. So I could just stand on the outside, look in and observe and, and make whatever changes. But now the rules of the game have changed and we have to be the art director of our own shoots, but then we also have to star in them, which is really, really complicated. So are there any sort of top tips that you have for people that that are in that situation? Yeah, no, that's a really great question. And I think it, again, comes back down to being super prepared. So I do this for, especially for like my really big shoots, detailed shot lists. Mm. So I think about, you know, the flow of the day. And you've already thought about this. You've already thought about where you're going to be shooting and thinking about like, okay, from those kind of scenes, like what are the shots that we must tick off. Mm. And it's just really good, especially if you're doing your own shoot and you're not doing this all the time for yourself. Shoots go by really quick. You know that, Mia. (laughs) Time flies by. So you'd be surprised how much you can miss if you're not really prepared. I put together a shoot deck, which includes shot list plus reference images. And this is something that I go through with my photographer before the shoot on a call. So we run through, we're all on the same page. We know what we're trying to do. 
And then on the day of the shoot, um, I'll just make sure I'll be like, hey, um, do you remember how we talked about needing, you know, some front on front on shots of my of me? You know, have we done those yet? And then a lot of the times, you know, don't be afraid to ask the photographer, like, would it be OK if I have a look? Yes. Essentially, especially now where we wear so many hats in our businesses and being the creative director of your brand is one of them. And you know your brand best. You know what you need. You know what the shoot is for. You came up with it. You know, chances are you've had these discussions. And so it's really important to just be able to communicate with your team. And it's all about doing it in a respectful way, not in a way that, you know, steps on anyone's toes. And it'll be just like, hey, do you remember how we needed some landscape images for my website? You know, the first few images of my website, have we got them yet? And I do this with my photographers now, even though we've worked together for years. And a lot of the times they'll be like, oh, yeah, thanks for reminding me. I need to check that off. It's just sim- those little simple check-ins along the way make a huge difference to making sure that you're getting what you need. And when you're in front of the lens, you know, sometimes it's like, you know, is it OK if I just have a quick look? Like, you know, because you don't know, right? Photographer is not a mind reader. You're not a mind reader. <laughs> so it's just really important to have good communication on a shoot day and be open you know, to chat about things and ask questions. Yeah, not all surprises are good. Yeah, they're not all good. <laughs> they're not all good. I'm so glad you brought that up because that is non-negotiable for me. So usually I have a monitor like that I would be staring at, and so I tell my students the exact same thing: is that I need you to be looking at the footage as it's coming out of the camera. It's not going to be perfect. It's not graded. It's not whatever. It's not edited, but it's it's not going to be wildly off. Like if something is not right, then now's the time to pick it up. So I'm really, really glad that you you mentioned that for sure. Yeah. Gut Marketing is brought to you by Campaign Del Mar, a marketing education platform for marketers and entrepreneurs. Learn practical, repeatable and actionable steps to market with confidence. Nail your email marketing strategy or join Campaign Classroom and learn to create memorable and effective marketing campaigns. These are not the kind of online programs where you are left floundering, unsure how to put theory into practice, nor will these programs sit unfinished for months. You can expect hands-on, tailored advice, accountability, and a supportive community, and you will walk away with lifelong marketing skills. Learn more at campaigndelmar.com. One of my sort of favorite little and I'm sure this is your zone of genius too, but one of my favorite things to do is to just really focus on the props. You know, there's so much like, oh yeah, we've got the right location and I'm wearing the right outfit, so good to go. And it's like, no, it can. we can take something from good to great if we just focus just a little bit more on the finer details. So like making sure the handbag also fits with the aesthetic, the vase in the background. Like we have espresso cups in a lot of our shoots because, you know, <laughs> I'm off the coast vibes, you know, and the, the espresso cups are on brand colors. So I'm sure you agree, but like anything else come to mind in terms of props? Yeah, I think props are important and it comes back to, again, thinking about your style and aesthetic, what you're trying to achieve for the shoot. And making sure that it matches, you know, that everything's cohesive. And sometimes I think, and this is what I do with a lot of my clients, um, because 
A part of my job is also the post-production. So before you get those hundreds of images, Mia, I probably would have culled that down from like thousands. Mm. So I kind of do that post-production work for my clients. And sometimes it is a matter of like, oh, okay, that cup was sitting there a bit weird. And so that looks a bit odd. So yeah, let's grab that image. Mm. So I always tell my students, it requires a lot of discipline to not share something if it's not mm. right. Not to just use it, you know, spam it all over our feeds purely because we have it. Because sometimes those little, making those small, finer decisions can make or break something that you put out there. And I mean, obviously I do this for a living. (laughs) So I am a little bit more critical sometimes on Instagram when I'm like, you know, scrolling through, you know, images and I'll be like, ooh, that photo would be, that would have been so much better if that cup just wasn't there or if that cup was like, white and not pink, you know, something like that. Mm. And so taking that time to go through your images afterwards and then selecting your favorites from that because you've gone through it with a fine tooth comb um, can really, really help, I think, in terms of how you show up visually for your brand. And it's, it's kind of that difference between looking a bit sloppy versus professional. Yeah, okay. I'm sure there are going to be people listening going, why does it matter? Is it really going to influence sales and profitability? So what do you say to that? Well, I think it matters because I think your online brand and your presence, it matters. It speaks to one, the your professionalism, the quality of your work, which ultimately then speaks to your price point. If your grid looks sloppy and then your website looks a bit sloppy or too DIY or unprofessional, then people aren't going to be paying you, know, you thousands of dollars for your services because it doesn't feel like, you know, that they'll get that kind of quality. So it kind of works hand in hand in terms of how to, you know, building that kind of trust in your brand. And true, one photo probably won't make or break, but it's really important to get into that kind of intentional way of looking at things for your brand, you know, being intentional with what what you're putting out there, because ultimately all those decisions kind of come together to form that overall brand of yours. And that's what people are going to remember and, and connect with. And, you know, there's nothing worse than seeing a beautiful Instagram grid. Everything's like fantastic. And that person looks like, yep, they're, they're worth like a million bucks. I'm going to pay them, you know, tens of thousands of dollars for their services. Then go to the website and it's not the same. That trust factor automatically drops, And people aren't going to be thinking like, oh, okay, maybe... Maybe I wouldn't pay tens of thousands of dollars for her. Maybe it's not quite, you know. So making those kind of decisions, those little decisions, ultimately it affects things along the way. So I do think it's important to <laughs> go through things with a fine-tooth comb. Yeah, I actually, I really, I agree. And I can illustrate this with an example. So I go to the gym in the morning and I get there 10 minutes before the class starts. It just works out that way that I can drop kids and get to the gym. And so I've made it a bit of a commitment that since I'm there for 10 minutes, I'm going to record a TikTok video and just get it done. Because like otherwise you end up overthinking it and it doesn't happen. But then I've been looking at my TikTok videos and do you know what the problem is, Sandra? I am in active wear in every single one. And you know what? That is signaling to my audience that I'm a marketing strategist for for fitness brands and I am not. (laughs) And I was like, oh my God, this is so timely. I'm going to talk to Sandra about this tonight. But I was like, ah, this is not going to work. Yeah, great, great to get it done in 10 minutes, but I can't be wearing active wear in every single video because... 
I never work in activewear. I go to the gym in activewear. And I'm not the sort of brand that hangs around in activewear all day. Like, yeah. You know. And I think like if you, you know, realizing that is good because now you'd be like, okay, let's show up 10 minutes, you know, another five minutes earlier and, you know, switch back into my activewear <laughs> before the time. <laughs> you know, making those little decisions actually, you know, change things significantly actually. So yeah, it's all about your brand perception, right? And ultimately yeah. that's the thing that sells for you. That's the thing that communicates your, you know, your, your quality, your price point, all of those things, right? And so it's really important to just make sure whatever you put out there is actually like consistent and on brand. And I mean, I use my Instagram purely for business. So an example would be, I, I do share my kids a little bit here and there. And because I'm a stylist, people usually expect my house to be beautifully styled and curated and everything, but it couldn't be any further. I've got, you know, six-year-old twin boys who destroy everything my house is like basically like a primary colored playground. So whenever you see me post about my kids, you might notice, you might notice it now after I tell you, um, they're in black and white. Mm. So that it fits a little bit more in line with my aesthetic and doesn't really stick out like a sore thumb. Yeah. Like those little decisions kind of, you know, just fits a little bit better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I only use Instagram for business. I, I <laughs> do not have time for personal social media accounts or inclination. Yeah, <laughs> I completely feel you. <laughs> yeah, after it's been your job every day for three years, you're like, yeah, I don't feel I have anything to add to the Instagram platform. <laughs> oh, so 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 true. So I'm sure there are people listening going, yeah, but you're a stylist and creative director, and you're a marketer, and I'm a lawyer, or I'm a accountant. So my visual brand doesn't have to look as good as yours. And I disagree. And do you? I absolutely disagree. Yes. <laughs> because I think it doesn't have to look as curated and perfect as mine because I'm in the business of selling aesthetic, right? But it still needs to be professional in order for people to trust you enough to want to work with you and book you, right? So I think it's still very important, like even as a lawyer, You'd want to, you wouldn't want instant, you wouldn't want influencer like raw photos all the time. I would want to see some, you know, professional photos, whether it's of you or whether it's you working with clients or the type of work that you do, you know, all those kinds of things are important to brand building. It's important, especially as a lawyer, perhaps it's like a personal brand. So it's really thinking about, um, you know, showing up professionally because at the end of the day, if we're running businesses, we need to show up professionally. Otherwise, why would anybody work with you, right? Yeah. Also, there is a cognitive bias called what is beautiful is good effect. It's an evidence-based heuristic, which basically says that humans are attracted to beautiful objects, which is why we love our babies, because they're so cute and probably why babies are so cute because then parents will love them and that they will need to look after them. And so... And then we see that, that with like, you know, we feel more trusting of people and brands when it is beautiful. And so as shallow as that may seem, it is how our brains are wired. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And if you just think about your own buying habits, like if, if you see, you know, I mean, I'm talking about products here, but if you see like two necklaces that are seemingly the same, and they're, caught, and they're both, you know, a few hundred dollars. Which one are you going to buy? The one that 
the, got the better photo of it or the one that looks like you did it on your desk at home in poor lighting, right? It's just little things like that actually make a huge difference to that buyer psychology, right? Yeah. And that's the same with even if you sell services. You know, you if you don't come across as professional, then why would someone trust you? It, it, it ultimately comes back to that building the trust, right? Totally. Yeah, absolutely. I also think that there's like an expectation these days because customers know that Canva exists. They know that you can get incredible photography through, you know, the latest iPhone, ring lights, microphones for podcasting, you know, email marketing software exists. And so, and it's cheap. So now customers are like, well, where was my confirmation email? Like I need the confirmation email, you know, I'm, I'm expecting a onboarding experience. I'm expecting personalization. I'm expecting good audio quality, good lighting, because those things are now not just reserved for the creative directors of the world. They are very accessible to everyday brands. And so it's actually the cost of doing business, I would argue. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, good visuals kind of are the bare minimum now. Yeah, right. that's right. Otherwise, it just you can't cut through the noise, especially now when, you know, I started my business when there wasn't Instagram. So it was a huge change. And now, you know, with Instagram and the more it becomes, you know, the more things that are added to it, it's just such a scroll, scroll, scroll kind of world. If your visuals aren't up to scratch, no, I mean, one, you're not going to make people stop. And if you can't make people stop, it doesn't matter how amazing your messaging is or how much money you spend on that copywriter to write all that, you know, amazing sales converting copy. If you can't make people stop, they're not going to read it anyway. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So we're, we live in a very visual world at the moment. And that's just kind of, like you said, it's, you know, it's, it's just what you've got to do if you're building a business. Yeah. Do you know what I really struggle with, especially with the Instagram grid? Because um, I mine's a little bit of a hot mess. I'm just going to own that right now. Sorry. All, it's all fair. Like it's all consistent brand colors, consistent brand fonts, professional imagery. It's just that like I will go and put two text-based posts next to each other as opposed to putting in like nice breaks. And that comes from a place of this is what I want to post about tonight. You know, this is where, this is what I want to talk about tonight. This is what's timely. This is what's strategic. And so I've kind of traded in the grid um, a little bit so that I can keep my content aligned with what I want to talk about on that particular day. Yeah. Where do you sit on that? I mean, I think it's okay for your business though. You know, as a service-based business, it's, a little bit different in terms of how you might utilize your visuals. Your visuals might actually, you know, comprise a lot more of graphics and text-based kind of visuals, right? So I think whatever works for you. One way around it is if you feel like your grid is, because I, I always say to my students, like, you know, try and let people's eyes breathe, you know, mm. allow them that kind of room to breathe because the grid can be kind of overwhelming, right? So if it's always, you know, a lot of text, then sometimes people are like, oh, okay, I, I don't really want to click into it. It's just, it's just too much. I'm kind of like that. But then I'm a very visual kind of person. So it's a little bit different depending on your audience. But um, sometimes you can just put an image there, but then your text is still there. The, the messaging is still there. It's exactly the same. You don't always have to post the visual that corresponds with your text, if that kind of makes sense. Yes. It's the same. Yeah. So a lot of the times, you, you know, you could go into my grid. I'm posting some really, I don't know, some really pretty photo of something that I styled. 
the copy has nothing to do with it. I'm not describing what's in the photo. I'm not describing anything like that. I'm still putting my messaging out there. But then the image that I chose is something that I think is something that I think people will stop to then see and pay attention and then read what I have to say. So I like to give people room to breathe on the grid. But I think it's a little bit different when you're an aesthetically driven business versus a, you know, I mean, or an e-com business versus like a service-based business. I love that tip. That's so good. And actually, you can have a lot of fun with it. Like, what can I write to accompany this image that seemingly has nothing to do with it? And like, can you draw a bow? Like, I remember once I was like, um, campaigns are not pineapples. Um, because I wanted to talk about how like a pineapple is instantly recognizable. You can look at a pineapple and you can call it a pineapple. The thing is, is that you can't instantly tell just by looking at one thing that it's a campaign. Like it may be, or it may not be, you know? And so then it's like, oh, all of a sudden we can now put pineapples in the image. (laughs) Who would have thought? (laughs) I think also like with you, Mia, if you suddenly, you know, started posting a little bit more of your imagery, some people might be like, oh, this is a little bit different for Mia. Let me see what she's got to say. You know, sometimes like using visuals as that show-stopping mechanism is, is a really good strategy. And I like to do that. I like to, you know, post things that people are going to be like, oh, this is really nice. And then see what I have to say, but it has nothing to do with the photo. I'm not talking about the styling. I'm not talking about the client. I'm not talking about anything. You know, I'm probably selling my course or something like that. So it has like nothing to do with it, but it's just a nice way, especially on a platform like Instagram, where we're scrolling through so many things. Sometimes text-based images, images don't really stop people as well, because there's so many of them now, like especially yeah. now that you know carousels are in at the moment, then everyone's got the text-based carousel, right? So people tend to stop for other things. So it's just about those little, you know, things that sort of set you apart from other people or might be like, oh, okay, finally, something that's not text-based, you know. So you never really know, right? I, I really like to play around with those kinds of things because different things you put out there are going to resonate with different people. And your audience, even though they might all be service providers or people looking um, to learn marketing from you, maybe some of them actually resonate more towards, you know, like a picture. Some might actually prefer getting their messaging from you through a reel. And some might be like, no, I just need to read it. You know, so it it really depends. People, People digest information very differently. So I think it's really important to put out sort of like a mix of visuals. And that's kind of what I typically try to do. But then also just play around with it and have fun with it, I think. Um, That makes it a lot easier. For sure. The thing that I feel that a lot of people like me struggle is that a photo of us, so a photo of Mia, is going to outperform anything else significantly. Um, It's just, it just is. Like, you know, I don't know why, but it does. And so then that's where you get, you see these grids that are wall-to-wall, the founder's photos because they do absolutely outperform like yeah. you know anything else so um but I really love what you said about the images that are not of people can still be show-stopping and it's it's an also a really great opportunity to give people a break and to breathe and to you know um so I think that that's fabulous yeah just you know play around with it you never know and um I think sometimes like you know it's a waste some of the images. We always think like, oh, I've just got to put all the photos of myself. But I'm like, oh, I'm sure that, you know, if you dig through those hundreds of images, there's probably something really cool to use, like the hand photo that you mentioned before, that it might be like, oh, this is something different. Let's see what Mia's, you know, has to say about that. 
and then put what you would have ordinarily put under some other photo and then see how it goes. Like, I think building our brands is just one big experiment, right? And it's constantly changing. And I think it's also just what works best for your brand, you know? And it's never going to be the same as the other person who's doing the same thing as you. So Beautiful. What a great place to wrap up. Thank you so much, Sandra. How can people get in touch with you? We're all obviously straight after this going to go and stalk your Instagram to see what you do <laughs> and to check out these images and like try to reverse engineer this. So that that's happening. So what's your handle so that we can just make it easy for people? Yeah, I think um, just come find me on Instagram at Sandra Chow Design and drop me a DM. I'd love to connect with you. Um, I'm always on Instagram sharing my current projects, you know, strategies, tips and tricks and all of those things. So, you know, Come find me there. That's probably the best place. Great. Well, we'll put everything in the show notes and so that we make it really easy for you to find Sandra. But thank you. It has been an absolute pleasure chatting with you. Um, I loved everything that you said. So yeah, I, I really appreciate it. No, thanks so much for having me, Mia. Thank you. You listened right up until the end. So why not hit that subscribe button and keep the good marketing rolling? Podcast reviews are like warm hugs. And they're also the best way to support a small business. You can connect with me, Mia Feilman, on Instagram or LinkedIn. And feel free to send me a message. I'm super friendly. 